welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Modern Horse Training and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. Last week, we talked about tying your horse. Should you or shouldn't you? I'm definitely in the camp that says that teaching your horse to tie is a useful life skill. But the key phrase here is teaching your horse. We also talked about some other leading skills. When you lead your horse, are you playing a version of the children's game, red light, green light, where there's minimal communication between you and your horse? Or have you developed clear body language cues that give your horse advanced notice about any changes that you're about to make? This is an important ground handling skill that very much carries over into riding. We interrupted this topic halfway through. Dominique was about to introduce a metaphor that I use that I find very helpful when I'm moving through a pattern with my horse. But rather than explain it here, let's just rejoin the conversation. So we're always using the food delivery dynamically, thinking about what is it that I want to support? What is it that I want to set up? What is it that I want to emphasize? You know, if I'm- you know there's, a, there's an image that you used because I heard, I read it in the book. I've heard you, you've talked about it in the coaching sessions where you say the food delivery, there are like two ways you can, when you're planning to teach something, you can either plan it like a film strip. Yes. Where, let's say you're going around a cone where each step is like one frame of the film strip. And then the next click and the next initiation will be the next frame of the film strip. So you're going frame by frame by frame around the cone, or you may not want to do the film strip. Maybe what you want to do is just repeat the first step and really work on the first step. So maybe you just want the initiation of the movement and you set it up again so that you again initiate the same movement. You, we do both. Yes, all the time. All the time. Um, yeah, so I, I like that image, that film strip image. Yes. I think for some people who are beginning, it may help them to see. Oh yes, sometimes I'm doing the the same step, but sometimes I'm doing the film strip, the frame by frame, frame. all yes. around the cone. Yeah, yeah. I may want to reset back to the beginning Mm. i've asked my horse to take a step forward click have him back up so now we're at the beginning that's the reset or i want to keep going but my horse and i don't have a clear map yet or the skill to go all the way around the cone perfectly you know if i asked him to go around the cone he might start off okay, but by the third stride, he'd be, you know, bowing out or, you know, whatever it is. And so I'm going to click that initiation, that first step 
And then I'm going to feed along the path that the perfect horse would be in. So now I'm in the film strip. So what would be the next weight shift? And then, and then so I'll feed to encourage the next set up for the next step. And as my horse takes that next weight shift, then I click and then we set up for the next weight shift. And it's, it's a wonderful way of exploring frame by frame by frame, really what, what does go into what can be a really complex movement. And that's related to some of the experiences that you would have, say, in a Feldenkrais lesson or just in really in any body awareness type of, of experience where if you, if you move your arm really fast, you're not really aware of how you do it. If you were to pick up a pencil or a pen, you've got a pen sitting on your desk and you just pick it up. Well, we've picked up so many pencils and pens, we don't even think about it. You don't think about how you're picking it up. You just do it. But suppose you slow that down and you thought, all right, I'm going to begin to move my hand and hover my fingers over the pen, freeze frame, click. What would I do next? Well, I start to move my fingers closer together, click. What would I do next? You know, and so you, you begin to pick that pen up really slowly and you see there are all these, you see how you rotate the pen. I'm doing it now as I'm talking. You see how I, you know, I picked up the pen with my thumb and index finger, but then I had to rotate the pen and move it so that it was in position to begin writing. And how do I do that? So if I slow it down, I can begin to see all the details of that movement. Mm, all the components. All the components. Yeah. And so, so if there's if there's something there that maybe is a little clumsy or a little awkward, by slowing it down, I create the opportunity to improve the technique. Mm. And to even see what's involved. And to see what's involved. So if I wanted to work on my penmanship, which is always <laughs> a good thing for me to work on because it gets worse all the time. One of the things that I clearly can see that would be useful would just be slowing down how I pick up and prepare to write with a pen. You know, I can feel just in these, I've done this now as we've been talking, I've done it four or five times and I can already feel that there's a difference in the quality of how I'm holding that pen. Mm -hmm. So that's really what we're doing when we do the, the film strip, the frame by frame by frame. We're slowing it down so that we can really observe all the weight shifts that are involved in what is really a very complex movement, but that we we take for granted or don't pay attention to because we've we're outcome oriented. Well, we're outcome oriented, and we've done it. You know, we've we've yeah. turning we've, around a cone. Yeah, we we walked how, around cones. What right? We, we can do that. What's involved in a 
But when you start to really analyze it, you start, oh, 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 okay. All these weight shifts that you become aware of. I remember years ago, Robin used to get really grumpy with me when I would ask him on a lead for an inside turn, meaning we'd be walking along and I would ask him essentially to change direction mm -hmm. on the mm -hmm. lead. And he would always grump at me. He's like, Robin, why are you doing that? <laughs> and then I was watching one of the natural horsemanship cl clinicians and he was emphasizing the importance of inside turns. And in a round pen, he never asked for outside turns, but it was really, in, it was inside turns. I thought, okay, why are inside turns so valued? You know, this trainer values them, this other trainer values them, all these different trainers were valuing inside turns. They wanted the horse to be able to perform this, this quick change of direction. And I thought, let me look at that and see what is it that is so useful and important about that turn? But I'm not going to ask for it in the way that that particular person was asking for it because it was I know. a little <laughs> abrupt. Abrupt, yes. Mm -hmm. So instead, I spent a wonderful winter with Robin dissecting inside turns and analyzing every weight shift that was mm -hmm. in an inside turn. And what I discovered was the rock back that exists within that turn. Mm -hmm. And that the reason Robin was grumping at me was because he felt I was crowding him. Mm -hmm. And and he was, you know, horses are great at space management between each other. And so he was saying to me, you are the clumsiest dance partner. You keep stepping on my toes. You're in my way. Human, get out of my way. And as we started analyzing the inside turn and finding all the weight shifts and finding this rock back that is part of the inside turn and teaching it as part of the dance, not generating it from an abrupt demand where the horse jumps back to get out of the way of a threatening whip, but really teach it as a dance step. Robin stopped grumping at me because we weren't crowding one another. We mm -hmm. were dancing together. Um, so there's great value in the film strip and in teaching these things weight shift by weight shift by weight yeah. shift. Yeah. You know, I noticed when people begin clicker training, they yeah. really don't do that. You know, they will one turn, one turn around a cone or one turn yes. when you're turning in front of your horse, you know, and they have to follow you and you're turning. Because I do a lot of work at Liberty. And, you know, when I start teaching this to a horse, I'll do weight shift by weight shift. So yes. in the beginning, I'm clicking like mad. But, you know, it doesn't take very long. And, and once in a while, I'll... You know, I'll put in a click, like inside, I, I, I'm in my head, I'm clicking a weight shift. Yeah. So in the beginning, I will click every single 
little weight shift around that cone. Or if I am going around the horse, it's like click, 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 click. Yeah. And then eventually you space them out and they just follow you. And it is a dance. But in the beginning, I think there's, and you know, it's funny because when people say, oh, I wish I had perfect timing, you know, with my clicks, I think this is very related to what we're talking about, because if you want to have perfect timing, you need to start observing those weight shifts that yes. happen before what you want to click. Yes. If you can see the beginning of the weight shift, then your timing when you click yes. will be okay. Otherwise, it'll probably be too late. It's that whole what comes before, what comes before the thing that you want to click. And you're, we're looking at movement cycles and we're looking at the initiation of movement, that that's where you begin. Where does the movement begin? Not looking at the completed step, but looking at where does the beginning of the step come from? And yeah. that's what you... That's yeah, what you and do. you've taught us that sometimes the beginning of a movement is just a breath. Yeah. It can be that small, you know, the horse will start breathing, they will start just, you can just feel like the muscle is beginning to come alive. Yes, and, and that's true for us too. So when you, if you stand, one of the, one of the body awareness explorations that I, that I use a lot is that you start out with your feet together, and then you begin to lift just your heels slightly off the ground not even lifting it off the ground, but just beginning to unweight your heel. Where does that movement begin? Mm. Where does it start? And for many people, when they start to do it, they'll say, oh, I ch there is a change in my breath. And there's a weight shift. And to know that that is clickable. Yes, absolutely. As small as it is, that is clickable. That's clickable. Yeah, and it will progress. Of course, you won't stay there yeah. very long. It will progress, but that's a clickable moment. That's right. And yeah. that's what allows you to uh, to train with really high rates of, of reinforcement mm -hmm. because you're not waiting around for this horse who is stuck in cement for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. You're not waiting for him to take a step that's because right. that might be a very long wait. The cement has set good and hard yeah. around his feet and you're going to have a long wait but he is going to take a breath he's going to take a breath and before he lifts that foot there'll be some change in his muscles something that you see yeah perhaps. and you feel you feel the muscle yeah you can, you can really feel it so and that's and again you know that's another segue to my my next topic because this was a huge huge topic but we're talking about small movements and how important they are. There was a big discussion in one of the coaching sessions about how to help injured horses. And so one of the idea or principle that was put forward was, well, you can build muscle around the problem area, but how do you do that? And this particular participant had been told, well, take your horse in deep sand and walk him in deep sand. And 
Anita Schnee is present with us at the coaching session very often. So yeah. she's Feldenkrais practitioner yeah. and she's, she's there quite often. And so there was this huge discussion about how to help a horse who has an injury and for it to be compatible with what we're trying to do. And so you and her were proposing that the emphasis should be on very, very small movement, very discrete movement. So what we were just talking about, I think, can have also a profound effect when you're working with an injured horse. Yes, because you don't want to do something that is going to cause harm. Uh, it's not like the injury is to yourself and you can feel, oh, that hurts. Mm. I don't think... Yeah, I, I think I'll back off of doing that because that that's really painful. And with a lot of our horses, some horses show you very clearly that hurt human <laughs> and other horses are more stoical. So you have to mm -hmm. really learn to watch and listen to your horse and let your horse guide you in terms of what is doable and what isn't but I I absolutely know from Feldenkrais work you know from my own personal experience and then the work that I've done with horses how these very small and slow and slow and gentle mm. gentle slow movements absolutely can have just profound effects and really help the horses to find ways to use their bodies in a way that works for them. That we have a, a great example that we're tracking over time of one of the participants has a older mare who has laminitis, had laminitis, and she's been doing leg flexions. And it's been really fascinating to watch over a period of several months the change in this horse as she learns to lift one foot up. So it's you're lifting a front leg up, just sort of like a knee target. She's bringing her knee up to her handler's hand. And then these very tiny mobilization of the hind end. And her whole body is changing. Mm. It's just it's just remarkable to see this. Her muscling is changing. The way she's carrying herself is changing. Comfort level is changing. There are just lots and lots of really good things happening. And it's all being done at the halt. Right. And so she's really small. Really small. small. Movements. Yeah. Yeah. And not and not hours of it. Mm-hmm. Five minutes, ten minutes, not even necessarily every day, but these these changes absolutely add up. Someone said, maybe it was Anita, I don't remember, to that with this, we were she was building the experience of feeling good again, of feeling better again. I, yeah. I like that, you know, yes. to to think that. I am rebuilding the experience that this horse has with his legs. You know, I want him to feel good again. Yes. 
But, and, and Anita called some of the movement, she said, you have to work on very modest movement. I yes. like that. It's a great yeah. phrase. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was, it's probably smaller than the listeners think. It's, it's really always small. smaller. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, when I look at a practitioner and working with horses, I'm, I tend to prefer the chiropractitioner that do really small things. And I know that I know some writers who say, well, she's not doing anything. You know, I don't like her. I prefer the other one who's doing these huge, spectacular things. But I don't. I'm always scared when I see the bigger movements because, yeah, the horses, they can tolerate a lot. And so I feel that at least do no harm. And probably the smaller movements are, and I'm, I don't want to improvise myself as a specialist in this, but it's just how I feel as a horse owner, that if you're going to touch my horse, it's going to be with modest movement. Yes. I prefer that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And what's always remarkable, there'll be times where for whatever reason I will be feeling very stiff maybe I've been I don't know writing a book (laughs) I've been on the computer for you know 12 13 hours a day and neglecting to take care of yes can I still move my joints after all of that and I'll feel how oh I'm just getting so stiff and then I'll do some some Feldenkrais work and they'll be really simple non-threatening you're not I'm not doing I'm not doing great big movements but they'll be you're building patterns so you might start you're lying on the floor and you've got your knees bent and maybe your hands are by your side and you just bring one hand to your torso and back to the floor and you bring your hand to your torso, but you're doing it slowly and back to the floor. And then you bring your hand to your torso and maybe you move it up towards your collarbones. And then you unwind all of that. And and so all of these movements are very gentle. They're very soft. You're learning how to go in and out of the pattern. And by the time you get done, you've got, you're doing this very complex, elaborate movement where you're Maybe, I don't know, you're rolling onto your side and sitting up and standing up and you're doing it fluidly and with total comfort. And then I'll be moving through my day and suddenly realize how much better I'm moving and how good I feel doing it. And that's the nature of the work that we're doing with the horses, where we're asking them, we're just showing you these simple little flexions, these easy little movements. And then we'll just let that movement expand a little bit and let it expand a bit more. Always watching so that if there is resistance, we listen to that because, you know, you don't know what's going on in a horse's body that's saying, oh, that just, you know, that's that's hard on my hocks or it's, you know, hard on my stifle, whatever it is. And, but as you do it, what you start to see is the horses begin to move more freely with greater ease, with greater comfort. 
and over time, they are moving with greater soundness. So it's good. It's a, definitely a good way to work. Yeah. 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 And I liked it because sometimes you feel if your horse has an injury that you can't do anything with them anymore because you don't right. want to hurt them, but maybe you can, you know, maybe these really, really small movements can help them and you can train them and do little things, but still you can do things with them. Yeah. So you, yeah. you never know how far you can go. I mean, there's, there's no, we're not going to say, oh yes, you're going to do this and your horse will be sound. You know, you, you, maybe there's so much damage to the bones that uh, no, there are going to be limitations in what this horse can do. You, you never know how far any, any individual can go in terms of finding greater ease, finding greater comfort. It's so much better to ask for small little movement and nudge things along than mm -hmm. it is to just say, oh, well, go be a couch potato. And get right. stiffer. Yeah. And because yeah. yeah, movement can be healing if it's done yes. well and something you should do in consultation with your vet, of course. Yeah. And if you if someone is really interested, I think they can because Anita makes herself quite available. Yes. And you know, even in, in that coaching session, I think everyone benefited from this conversation. And we have seen this this participant doing the leg lifts on couple of the sessions so yes. yeah so I think it's it's a big subject it's a complex subject but I think it's something where we can have a positive effect even you know without doing any harm right with that view that small movements and, and you know, slow movement is yeah is, and it's is, all related to everything we've talked about this afternoon and it basically it's it's all built around the shaping on a point of contact ah that's a great segue to my next topic. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's your next topic? <laughs> well, it's, yeah, well, so point of contact. So we've, we've defined this on a, a few podcasts previously where you get to a point of awareness where your horse is aware that you're there, but you're not moving the horse's body. You're not pushing, right. you're not pulling, you're waiting for the horse to move its own body. Would you say that's pretty much yep. the right way to define yep. a point of contact? Because that's, you know, the whole rope handling is a super complex topic and something that we'll study for years and years. I just want to zero in on something where I've been intrigued. Okay. Okay, about one instruction that you give us during the rope handling is, so when when we do the rope handling, you teach us to slide down, usually with our feeding hand, we'll slide down to a point of contact. So right. in certain cases, it may be very early on the lead. And in some other cases, it may be all the way to the snap. And... So the snap is like a tactile cue, which is paired with all the cues you're giving by your body, which will tell the horse to either go back or move forward or go to the right, the left, etc. 
so the, the snap is like a toggle switch in a yes. way. But the instruction when we wanted to have our horse back up was, so if you're going sliding up all the way to the snap, yeah. so with your feeding hand, so yep. in, for most people, it's the left hand. So if you're you on have the left side of the horse. Of the horse, right. And so you're all the way up to the snap. So your little finger now is pointing to the sky. Yes. And so what you're asking us is not to push the toggle switch towards the horse's chest. You're saying rotate your arm so that now your thumb is pointing to the sky. And this rotation of the snap will indicate to, with everything else, of course, you're now probably in front of your horse, will promote this weight shift back and help the initiation of the backup. And I was always like, why does she ask us to, to do this with the snap? You know, why not? Towards the horse's chest, why, why does she ask us to lift it up like this? And I always thought, I don't know, it intrigued me. And somehow the way you put it in the book, it just helped me understand it for, for some reason, because one of the things you said, and there may be other reasons why you decided to do it this way, but one of the reasons you said that when people push the snap towards the horse's chest, even if it's very unintentional, they put too much pressure. They are no longer in this philosophy of a point of contact where you are not moving your horse's body, you are letting your horse move its own body. And if they were to push to the snap towards the chest, they would put too much pressure, they would push no. They would be beyond the point of right. contact. And somehow that made sense to me <laughs> because I've been wondering for years, why, why does she want to go that way? It's kind of counter. It's the other way. We want the horse to back up. So I should put the snap towards his chest. But now I feel it's clear for me why you're asking me to rotate my arm and to shift the, the snap. Like, so, so if, I don't know if people can, see what I'm talking about to to flip the snap in front right. not in the back so it is it is very much the case that people tend when they're asking their horses to back up there will be a phase where they are pushing into the horse or they are starting to move but still the horse backs and and when you see that translated to riding then what you see is the rider who pulls back on the reins to get the horse to back up. Mm -hmm. And they're pulling, compressing, the forcing the horse back. And that's so unnecessary. And it so, can be so hard on a horse's body when you are pulling them back. So we need to find an alternative to that. And if you do any of the exercises where you are working with a human. So the you have a human horse, you have a partner who's holding 
the halter so that they're holding so the, the snap just hangs down below their their two hands so they're they're pretending that their hands held out in front of them represent the horse's head and, and in their arms of the horse's neck so they're holding the halter and you have a lead rope attached to the snap and one person is the handler the other person is the horse and so the handler slides along the lead just as you've described and goes all the way to the snap and then let's say uses the snap in that toggle switch direction of they're going to take their hand and move it towards their partner and their partner may or may not back up but let's say they back up and you can observe how that person backs you can observe their emotional response you can observe the quality of the backing you, you know and then you can get verbal feedback how did that feel to you and often what they will report back is you know no oh, you know it's okay i guess but it felt as though you were pushing into me it felt as though you were crowded and they were indeed being crowded or you can slide up the lead as you've described and if you're sliding along that lead, the lead sort of forms, it's like it forms a pathway to get you in the right orientation. So as your hand slides along the lead, if you follow the lead up to the snap, all the way to the snap, you will be in that position that you described where your little finger is to the sky. Yeah. And it's kind of just touching the bottom of the halter, let's say. And, and, if you so if you're really good, you're sliding up and you're sliding up in a way that where you're using your shoulder blade. It's part of this. So when you slide up and you rotate, if I rotate, allowing that movement to come from my shoulder blade, then I will end up in a neutral orientation. If I slide up and I don't use my shoulder blade, I just kind of rotate from my wrist, I will end up pushing into the horse, into my human handler. And you can feel the difference. So when you do this with a, a partner, you can absolutely feel the difference that when you get it right, so that you rotate from your shoulder blade, then you will come up in a neutral. You are not, you are in your space and the horse is in his space. So neither one of you is crowding into or pushing into the other. And then in that vertical to the sky orientation of the snap, mm -hmm. what you will find is that your horse is going to shift his balance and he's going to rock his balance up and back, which is going to make it very easy for him to find the step back. So the shift of balance that occurs when you rotate the snap and then you put a suggestion from your body that invites the step back, it is very easy for the horse to find a balanced step back. And so the quality of the step will be entirely different from the quality of the step that occurs when you are pushing them back. Mm.
And emotionally, it will be very different. So just that, because it's what? Almost the same movement. You know, you would you could do this or you can just lift up. It's almost nothing. But as everything else, it's always small details. And you have you have to try and see what your horse thinks. And one of the things that I always enjoy doing when we're in clinics together and we're working on the rope handling and I'll have somebody who's been the horse. So I'll slide up the lead and I'll rotate and I'm in my in neutral position. So I haven't asked for anything yet. And then I will put an intent. I'll put the ask through and the person will take a step back Mm. and I'll say, to them, where did that come from? What did I do? And they'll, well, I, you know, you moved your hand or you changed and I'll, you know, they, they, they never get the right answer unless they've heard this podcast, but they, they won't know what I did. And I'll say, well, I wiggled my toes. <laughs> and that's all I will have done. I will have just wiggled my toes and they'll have backed up soft as anything. Now, if I tighten my shoulders, I could flap my feet around like a duck and they wouldn't move back because that feel, that shift of balance that occurred when I wiggled my toes, which is very subtle, would have been blocked by the tightness in my shoulders. So the the rope handling, I mean, all of this can sound really scary, like, oh, I could never, I could never have that level of feel that'll lead. And that's not the case at all because What's fun about the rope handling is the process teaches. You know, you may start out feeling very clumsy as you slide along the lead rope, but as you explore it, you get softer and softer and freer in your own body and the horse gives you feedback. And before long, it really does become like a dance and it's delightful. Mm. What I like too is that um, when I said in the beginning how the book and the session, they complement each other, it's really important to see. I think when we say an image is worth a thousand words, you know, it's it's really great because even now when I was describing the thumb and the little finger, if you see it, you know, it's yes, it's it's easier yes. to understand. We, we both have we both have clear images Picture. of this because yeah, we've yeah. seen you've seen a, a lot of the rope handling. I've seen ton of the rope handling so we're making pictures as we're talking about it and yeah and we don't have but yet but yet but yeah you know I've heard you talk about it many times I've seen it many many times but yet there was something in the book in the words yeah that after all these years that made it there was an extra information in there for me that really I related to somehow. So think, sometimes it it's the words. I like to read the words because for me, it may be something for someone else, something else, but there was something in the way you described it, the words you used that really rang a, you know, rang home to me, or I don't know what the expression I, is. I think for what I decided for this book, was I wasn't going to use pictures. I wasn't going to have pictures. That I wanted you to make your own pictures. 
Mm. So as you're reading through the instructions, you are making your own pictures. And the pictures are going to be very dependent upon what your repertoire is. So the pictures that I make may not be exactly the pictures that you're making, mm -hmm. but you will be making your own pictures. And I think there is tremendous value in that because no matter how many photos I put into a book, they're never going to be enough to cover every situation, every horse, every small step. You know, we talk about film strips and, you know, teaching how to go around a turn, weight shift by weight shift by weight shift. There just aren't enough, there, there's not enough room for all those images that we would mm -hmm. need. Mm -hmm. We can make those images in our minds. And I think there's enormous power in that. And what I'm hearing from your comments is that that was indeed the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there are great images in the book. You know, I, I, I talked about this a few podcasts ago, I think in the very first episode where we talked about the book, I thought the images that you put in there in the, I was going to say the dressage chapter, it's not a, I shouldn't call it that the, I don't remember how you called it, but you explain different dressage figures and I really enjoyed the images that you used. So there are great images in the book. Change of subject. Okay. So you're on Instagram now? Well, I'm trying. Because I tried. I let, you have to tell me how to find you. Because I tried to find you and I couldn't oh, find you. I don't what, know. what are you called? What, uh, what, what's your you name? You just do a search on my name. And you should turn me up. Because there are lots of people are, of course, referring to you. So I did do Alexander Curlin. And all kinds of things come up because, of course, you know, people talk about you. Oh. So, but what's your name? What, 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 what I are think you? it's, it's, it's Alexandra period, Ireland, okay. period five. I think, don't ask me where the five came in. Somebody, Alexandra somebody period, Curlin, what? Five? Uh, period five. Oh, something okay. like that. So well, years, years and years and years and years ago, somebody was determined that I was going to be on Facebook because, you know, I'm, I'm just not a fan of social media. And so she set up my Facebook account. Thank God for her. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. But I don't know how, I don't know how I ended up with that as my account name. Okay, and, so I'm um, going to try again, and we'll talk about it in the next episode okay. so people can find you. Because yes. I tried looking, I was very excited when I saw that, you know, because I think you did a post on Facebook or yes. something. I thought, oh, man, that's great. I'm going to look her up, and I didn't find you. Because oh, I, so did, I did hashtag modern training, like you said, and there yeah, was no lots of, the, there were the so many work. things. But there were lots of things under modern horse, modern training or modern horse training, but you weren't there. Oh, okay. so I looked Alexandra Curlin and there was lots of stuff, of course, but it wasn't you. It was all kinds of people talking about you and your work and what they've tried. And interesting. it was good. It was interesting. But so I have to find you because I did. A... We'll talk. We'll talk the next time okay. <laughs> so people well, can find you because yes. I want to. I want to, I want to, because I want to follow you. 
But in order to follow you, I have to find you first. So I basically need some very kind, nice person to <laughs> to sit me down and give me the Instagram tutorial because I clearly have no clue how it so works. So have you posted a few things yet? I have posted. So I've been putting how something many? up just about every day. Oh, uh, you're very prolific. That's good. That's well, that's what a, you're supposed to do. It's just a photo. Yeah. And okay. I and I always I have a well. I'm sure you write something. Yes, I write something, and mm. so that's been interesting. And this June is Panda's twentieth anniversary of being a working guide. So the last couple of days, I've posted some panda pictures because that seemed appropriate, given that she's now been a in full work for twenty years. And as Anne said, and she still loves it. And I think. How many of us can say after 20 years that we, you know, still love our job? It says mm -hmm. a lot about this, this kind of, of training and work. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I can't even begin to tell you why I have such resistance to social media. And so I'm not good at it. I, I don't Well, I think it. it's inspiring that you're still doing it. <laughs> I, I'm making the attempt. Really, yeah. I'm not making a very good attempt if you can't find me. It's interesting because I do. Well, it's important that we find you. Otherwise, yes. at certain point, you'll say, well, nobody's following nobody's me. So, me. So yeah, but I'm I, doing this because I'm I'm actively trying to find you. So I'll, you know, I'll let the listeners know what I find <laughs> in the next episode. Okay. And if I and finally maybe, find maybe you, there's a better way of, of <laughs> setting up the account so that it's easier for me to find. I don't know. Yeah, maybe there's some expert listening to this that will email you email the, the say, best way to do yes, it. Let me let me help you with Instagram. Yeah, because I think it's exciting that you're there, but we have to see you. Yes, <laughs> so. yes, I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. So that's it for this week. Ah, excellent. So yep. we, we've covered lots of topics, and yep. and so we'll have we'll we'll have some more topics next time, and. I'll encourage everybody to look up modern horse training and get a copy of of the new book and find me on Instagram and yeah. uh, <laughs> good luck with that <laughs> good luck with that <laughs> or 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 email me and tell me what what I'm doing wrong that you can't <laughs> find me and we'll talk again soon great great well you heard Dominique I have indeed joined Instagram I have no idea really how it works, but I have been enjoying picking out photos to share and writing short descriptions of the stories behind the photo. So, so far I can say it's been an enjoyable experience. I can be found at alexandra.curland.5. I have no idea where the five came from. I suspect when my account was originally set up many years ago, there was a computer glitch and it took five tries to get my account set up. I have no idea if that's indeed the case. Whatever the story really is, you should be able to track me down through a simple search on Instagram. So again, it's alexandra.curland.5 and I hope you take the time to look me up. And remember, you can order my new book, Modern Horse Training, via my website, theclickercenter.com, or through Amazon. That at least is simple to find. 
And do please leave a five-star review at Amazon. That is always appreciated. So, until next time, enjoy the new book, train well, and have fun with your horses. Music